Key Card presents Back Issue Bloodbath with your hosts, Andrew Young and Padula Neal. Welcome, friends, to a very special edition of Back Issue Bloodbath, where we listen for the things that go bump in the night. It's the witching hour, and it's time to talk about the scariest moments in comics. Welcome back, Ishi Bloodbath. I'm Andrew Young. I'm Batula Neal. Took you a second there, eh? I mean, the phrase bump in the night, like... I didn't say bumping in the night. I said bumping. the night. But it gives both, and I don't know why I never, you know... It could go either way, but we'll get way. there. We'll get there. There you go. There you go. Yeah. Well, yes, Halloween is this week, and of course we thought, what better way to celebrate than to go into our comics and find the moments that truly scared us, where we were looking at a page going, wow... That's some creepy ass shit, or that's some scary ass shit, or that's some spooky ass shit. Put it in an adjective, which means that you're afraid, and put ass shit after it, and you've got the feeling that we're going for in this episode. So we picked out some of our favorite scary moments in comics. Petula, what's your first one? Well, you know me. There's always a spreadsheet and themes involved, and there's things that scare me now as an adult that didn't scare me when I was younger. And then there's things that scared me when I was younger, vice versa. So right. obviously I'm going to think about, but then discard the things that scared me most when I was younger, any sort of surprise or mysterious pregnancy. So, you know, <laughs> oh, like give me a, a, a wander, somebody else waking up. It's like, who's that baby inside me? Like that kind of non-consensual implantation of life in general, which is often a theme in comics. Not a fan. Terrifying. Like, it's bad enough to, you know, occasionally just be out in these streets crashing whatever you want to crash and then surprise baby, but to actually just be minding your own business and some sort of, you know, mystical creature or something decides to take your, your womb for an uh, unpaid Uber ride. That's not my ministry. That's not what I'm about. But leaving that specific thing out, my first one is from an old classic, a Stephen King joint. And uh, I think it would resonate with a lot of listeners right now. It's one of the stories from Creepshow, The Lonesome Death of Jordy Verrill. And it involves uh, touching the wrong thing and getting infected with uh, something that takes over your whole body, home and life. Great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like it's old Stephen King. This is like, this was written in the mid seventies, regardless of how you maybe fall into the creep show genre where his stuff, like so many of his things have been adapted in film, but this was also uh, in a comic. Uh, this of all the stories in that original sort of creep show collection was the one that any kind of like uncontrolled body transformation that you really couldn't do anything about. Mm. Not the kind of thing that uh, stereotypically perhaps my people would be screaming at the screen or book <laughs> it's like you know this isn't separating from the group this isn't you know that kind of thing this is like you live out on a farm and like you you touch things you find in nature and the next thing you know your whole body and house is giving swamp thing my god yeah who was the artist on that uh that book you know what i'd love to tell you <laughs> <laughs> let's let's go back to called comics there's two halves Petula. <laughs> there's the writing there's the art come on <laughs> i know the art is good too like it's really giving nightmares it's it's giving crypt keeper because there's like a cute little narrator dude who's uh oh art by bernie wrightson oh bernie wow. wrightson known as the like the king of horror comics definitely 
Yeah, graded an empty eye socket. This guy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Wow, that's that's pretty cool. People. Yeah, that's that's a classic she brought uh, to the table here for her first pick. Mine is a little bit more contemporary. It's from 2008. You might remember the Marvel Max line, which was for mature readers. Uh, in about 2008, they decided they wanted to do a special series of miniseries called Dead of Night, which is basically their version of Tales from the Crypt with a, with their own version of the Crypt Keeper and everything like that. And so for their first miniseries, it starred Man-Thing. So Dead of Night featuring the Man-Thing. And this one written by a man who has written some good horror comics and some terrible teen TV shows, Roberto Aguirre Sacaras, or Sacasa, um, the man behind the Riverdale TV series. In this, though, it's basically a retelling of the origin of Man-Thing and going through some separate stories, kind of giving him an update. Of course, Ted Salas, scientist, sent out to uh, the uh, the Everglades to uh, come up with a answer to the Super Soldier Serum. They're trying to reinvent the Super Soldier Serum. He goes there with his assistant turned fiance, Ellen Brandt, and another dude. They basically are plotting for uh, Hydra, I believe, or mercenaries, I can't remember exactly what, to get the answer to the super soldier serum off him. During this time, he gets attacked, he ends up in the, the, the swamp, he turns into the man thing. And the man thing can't speak, doesn't know how to, doesn't really communicate that well, but there's the added fact that anyone who knows fear Anyone who's afraid of him, if he touches them, they will burn. All who know fear burn at the touch of the man thing. It sounds very much like they were trying to sell contraception. But uh, that's basically, <laughs> that's, that's basically your quick notes on the man thing origin. And this one I had to put on my list because uh, for those of you who might have checked out at the beginning of the month, the Werewolf by Night Marvel special on Disney+. Plus, Werewolf by Night's in it, but there's also an appearance by the Man-Thing. I was like, oh, that's awesome. I was looking through my Man-Thing comics, and it came across this scary moment at the end of the miniseries. Uh, issue four is a Man-Thing envelops Ellen. So in that first thing, when he becomes the man thing, Ellen survives, but she ends up becoming horribly disfigured and she ends up becoming uh, part of a team that's trying to hunt and kill man thing and get whatever is in the man thing. It's if you could call it blood uh, to try to create a super soldier serum. And so when it comes down to her entire team has been wiped out by man thing in the swamp comes down to them and she starts talking to man thing saying, you can't because of the history you had, you can't kill me. You're not going to kill me because of the thing we had. And it's at that moment that Man-Thing kind of just stands there and just kind of opens up his entire vicious and just starts dragging her in side of him and basically just envelops Ellen and absorbs her. And it's at this moment that Man-Thing usually doesn't have a lot of thoughts. He's a Man-Thing. He is what he is. But at that moment, a memory, a memory of the first time that Ted Salas and Ellen Brandt had sex came into his mind. It is the weirdest ending to a miniseries that I've read. It is creepy as shit. Like, I'll show you. Getting absorbed by another entity. Yeah, look at that. This just starts getting dressed, sucked in there. Oh, yeah. Yeah. At that point. It's giving Bill Quiz. Yeah. 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 It is because that's the thing when you read old man thing and even current man thing, it's more of a philosophical book. So to have this heavy horror slant and to have that as the ending of the miniseries where it gets revenge by just absorbing the other person. It's, it was kind of out of character for a man thing story, but 
highly entertaining for what they did in the series. Yeah, non-consensual absorption, I think, is also <laughs> a theme that I'll be revisiting later in our conversation. So, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Because it's also when those kinds of things happen, it's often told from the point of view of the absorber, not the absorbee. Mm. So as a reader, you don't know how much of the consciousness of the absorbee is maintained during and after the process. Mm. Yeah. 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 I think in this instant, the eventual demise of Ellen Brandt is kind of like she's eaten. Um, just on the, just on the base of the way that the ending feels. Yeah. Is it feet first or head first? Cause I guess that would be like a, once the feet stop wiggling, but if it's feet, <laughs> if it's head first, if it's feet first, then it's the whole body at the same time. That's okay. the thing that's crazy. His entire body just opens up and yeah. Now I'm thinking I, I should have included something that involved getting eaten by a snake. Cause that's also, that's another one. Yeah. 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 yeah totally. Yeah. So what's another one you got? We're heading into, I have a couple under non-consensual absorption. I have a couple vampire things, obvs, because that's always going to happen. But specifically, vampires and black people, which is always great. I mean, Blackula was a film that I loved as a child. I didn't really understand what the whole kind of black exploitation was. I just got that, oh, there's people that look like me, but it's like the kind of stuff I enjoy because even as a child, perhaps too much as a child, I read a lot of Stephen King and other things like that. So one book that I picked up from my local called Dracula Motherfucker. Uh, <laughs> Written by Alex DeCampi, uh, illustrated by Erica Henderson, who I'm sure you know her stuff because she's yep. done a lot of Squirrel Girl and you're all about Mr. North. So uh, this is just funny and profane. And the art is definitely one of those books that makes me very happy that uh, certain things are legal in Canada. It's just <laughs> soups, soups, colorful. And it sort of flips the narrative of Dracula's brides. So that's the part I like. But the the part that I relate to the most is our protagonist, uh, a young man named Harker, Quincy Harker, not our Keanu, uh, Jonathan Harker, as you may know him, Yeah, uh, who's a crime scene photographer who basically kind of smoozes his way on a crime scene early, sees the carnage and basically kind of figures out what's going on, but no one believes him. So um, under the what scares me most, it's not so much the hot brides of Dracula who eventually use their wiles, their powers, and their literal man-eating skills to deal with Harker's curiosity. It's the gaslighting for me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's that's what really resonated with me on that one. Because it's like, if people had just believed him, maybe, maybe this could have been avoided. But ultimately... It has kind of a happy ending, at least for Dracula's Brides. I don't want to spoil it for anyone, but I'm going to show you a panel at the end. And they're just saying, he's awake. So, yeah, it's a fun one. And I have this physical. I'll lend this to you. Okay. Yeah. Because uh, we might want to even do this one one day. Yeah, the art is just very... Well, you can imagine me with my gummies enjoying this in the evening. Well, yeah, you know, yeah. I, I can see that. I can see that. Yeah, lots of... It, if you took sort of like a Ditko energy, but then took out everything except for um, the reds, oranges, and blacks, and then threw some exposed breasts and <laughs> had them on women that eat people, mostly men. Like, what's not to love? But again, what's not to love? The gaslighting. That that was the part that was really sort of 
Scary got me in the cold yeah. sweats. Yeah, yeah. yeah. No. And all of that. you people who've had uh, someone, especially at a job that maybe you have very reasonably presented something or discovered something and you aren't believed or in your regular life and you have to provide receipts and they still don't believe you or you're a literal photographer and people still don't believe you. Well, then what are you going to mm. do? What are you going to do? Yeah. Investigate on your own, which is a terrible idea when there's a bunch of vampires running around. Yeah. Yeah, but it makes for great entertainment. You know, that's what it comes down to. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, my next pick is from Marvel. Once again, this is my, I think, this is the only other Marvel thing I have on the list. It is from 2018. About a team that we uh, we talked about recently uh, in uh, an episode a few weeks back that we celebrated their 40th anniversary and that is The New Mutants. The book is New Mutants Dead Souls, and it was originally written to coincide with the release of the terrible New Mutants movie, but because that got delayed so much, this came out a whole two years before it, and looking back, it's a good thing that it did, because it's a pretty good series, and you wouldn't want to associate it with that terrible movie. And so in this story, Magic has been appointed by Karma, who's working with the government, to put together, or sorry, working with a clandestine organization who's put together uh, this new team of new mutants headed up by magic with Richter, Strong Guy, Boom Boom, and Wolfsbane. And they're kind of like put together to be like the answer to the X-Files. They're going and they're looking out, looking up like strange phenomena and paranormal things that involve mutants. And so they're going all over the world for this. But at the end of the story, it kind of comes out of nowhere. The old, you might remember the, uh, the character Warlock, who was like an otherworldly character who had like, was almost like an electrical being that absorbed things and everything like that. Well, he kind of runs amok and the team try to contain him. What ends up happening is that they get fully absorbed by Warlock, who's gone kind of, kind of nuts. And they kind of become like this almost like zombie-like team. And it's down to just like Magic and Wolfsbane and they're fighting them off and they get absorbed as well. And suddenly they're all effed up. And then it's revealed that Karma, it was her plan all along because she thought if we have this team of the, these warlike human beings, we can test them for this clandestine organization. But she doesn't think like, hey, I don't really have control over them. So magic envelops her too. And her last words are, welcome to the team, Karma. We're all monsters now. And it's just Karma just lying there on the ground, getting enveloped. And they're all like this team of like almost like Frankenstein alien characters. And that's how the book ends. So you're left on this cliffhanger of like, what the fuck is going to happen? And Matthew Rosenberg like approached the story with the idea that it was going to end this way so that we then have this kind of like problem and unanswered question within the world of mutants um, because at the time Rosenberg was also writing an X-Men book and a multiple man book so he's like oh we're getting, we can bring them in wherever but then you know Hickman's book was announced and so Rosenberg was given the job of kind of wrapping up all the X-Men stuff in an uncanny X-Men book and kind of had to just quickly get them out of being that way and back to normal uh, but the idea was there at the end of that miniseries the idea was there is like whoa what the fuck's gonna happen now and I remember getting to that last page going this is fucking scary I don't know what's gonna happen here with art by Adam Gorham good friend of the show and uh, yeah it is it is a wild ride with an ending that just kind of punches you in the gut yeah i think that's one of the things i do enjoy the most about horror comics in general is the op they're open-ended on purpose it's not mm -hmm. like oh we thought we get 12 and we only got eight it is the horror never ends so much more like real life that way but yeah it is <laughs> 
Because you're usually just left with that feeling of, oh, like the sword went in, but you haven't even like pulled it out and let it squirt. Yeah, yeah. Hollywood yeah. doesn't like to do that with movies. So they usually have like a, a wrap up denouement on horror films. But when it comes to like the written word and comic books, you can kind of just let things dangle at the end there. Yeah. 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 And that's honestly why I think so many adaptations, uh, people aren't pleased with them because they have to, and by they, I mean like studio notes and whatever, have to give you an ending. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and I love a happy ending as much as the rest of uh, us listener, but it's still always nice when a story is so well crafted that you can't stop thinking about it and that especially works well with things that leave you with that raw i'm not like trying to sound like this but it's just <laughs> a lot of a raw sort of unfinished feeling that a lot of the the better horror stories do so what's next on your list one that i can't believe i hadn't read before it is a image title called Philadelphia. oh wow so i just uh, did the first six and it's amazing. The art's amazing. There, There's one valid complaint that I saw online and that I also had, but I got digital. I think if I got physical, I'd actually struggle a bit more. Uh, there's a part of uh, the beginning of the story where our main character finds his father's journal and he's reading it. So the font they use is very much like tiny writing mm. on like a pink background and it's completely illegible. Like it's... Oh yeah, that's tough. That's yeah. tough. But I can zoom in on my device, but... My old lady eyes would not be enjoying this if I had this physical. I'd probably have to get like a magnifying glass or something. Yeah. <laughs> or like those like librarian ones that sort of like snap apart in the middle. Like, yeah. ooh, I should get some of those. Anyway, so it's a story about uh, a beat cop whose father is murdered and he goes to Philadelphia to his funeral and to deal with his affairs and discovers the city has been taken over by once again vampires again the vampires not the fear the fear here <laughs> the i would say rational fear is uh, the government specifically slavish pun intended uh, adherence to the intentions and plans of some of the founding fathers because you find out and a bit of a spoiler but the series is still ongoing and i'm just talking about what you learned for six issues uh, you find out pretty early on that the leader of the local vampires is uh, James Madison or James Adams, sorry, James Adams or John, John Adams, John Adams, John Adams. There we sorry, go. We're, I don't, we're Canadian. We're Canadian. Yeah. We're, yeah. <laughs> sorry. There's a lot. I, I only saw Hamilton on Disney plus. I never got to see it live. I had tickets like for March, 2020, but we all know what happened there because his son, John Quincy Adams was not a vampire. So anyway, he was turned on a trip to the Caribbean and uh, has been alive since then, uh, gradually building an army. Originally, uh, some of his first vampires, <laughs> also his unpaid help, AKA prisoners with jobs. I believe they mm. were called in the ah. Ragnarok. Yeah. So it's this leveraging of a large workforce and over generations uh, taking advantage of the enthusiasm, especially of poor people of color to feel empowered by recruiting them into this vampire army that eventually starts to make moves to take over the town. And first of all, the art is, I think you would love it. It's almost like take Alex Ross, but make it dark. 
It's very okay. kind of like a painterly style. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's super pretty. The story is good. It's very rich. You have a lot of your favorite tropes of any kind of cop, because the son's also a cop, investigating something where, you know, makes friends with a medical examiner who bullies him right away because she's been hearing some weird stuff in the people freezer at night that dies down in the morning. And she's also one of the only other people who's aware of what his dad was working on and investigating. So it is a lot of my other sort of trigger things where, again, gaslighting, because they're gathering evidence and showing the local government, but the local government's very, very corrupt. And mm -hmm. ultimately, at the top, as we find out later on, it's not just that the mayor is in the pocket of the vampire organizations, that vampire organization is led by a literal founding father who helped frame the structure of a country that is still kind of sus in the way they leverage the unpaid or underpaid labor of people of color. Yeah. 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 There's a great B story uh, between two sisters that were acquired by the president's family and uh, the president's wife as well uh, definitely at the end of the first series you can see that she's going to move into more of a, a leadership position so it's it's giving house of cards so i can definitely see like they wrote in a lot of things that i can see where the story's still ongoing i can see why it has so many great reviews like again i was amazed that i hadn't already just stumbled across it before because the art's so beautiful but even on the cover of the first collection there's literally a quote from like jordan peele just saying how baller this stuff is so it is just it's a great story i really do want to go to philadelphia i made a lot of friends there at my last job and weirdly this actually makes me want to go there more not less which makes no sense um <laughs> so the folks behind this uh rodney barnes jason sean alexander and uh lewis and I can't pronounce their last name, Luis. Uh, and yeah, I'm not even going to try. It's beautiful. The story's good and rich. And definitely I will keep reading the series. Cool. Awesome. Yeah. So that's cool. Some current stuff. Oh, like, we're... look at this. Look at this with the shovel. It's so pretty. Like not oh, wow, every panel good. is like that. Like some of the, the interstitial cover stuff is like that. And then a lot of the sort of in-book stuff. It's not as much of a, with the Alex Ross stuff we've talked about, where you get like very painterly and then inside, often when he hasn't done the covers, it's a complete departure. This is more like the ones where you're still bringing that style inside, but it's not that detailed in every panel, just probably for time's sake. Yeah, no, no, But totally. you, get a, you get a lot of good, like one big panel will be like that. Like also um, some great medical examiner body, yeah, 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 yeah. body cutting stuff there. So like when you're cutting into bodies, when you're getting teeth, when you're getting glowing eyes like that's usually the part of a panel that is the most kind of painterly and then the rest are more sort of like a line typical comic art so yeah mm. just love it but also don't trust the government they've been at this forever <laughs> apparently uh feeding off of people of my color for a lot longer than we thought in more ways than one yeah, yeah yeah well you can say don't trust the government that's something that's very true and another thing you can say when it comes to reality is don't trust heroes and uh my pick here for my next scary moment takes us all the way back to the 80s to a man who's written a lot but in hindsight a lot of his stuff is problematic hell even while reading it the first time is kind of problematic and that is of course alan moore there was a series that he did for eclipse comics called miracle man which was once again him deconstructing the idea of the superhero uh this time taking like almost like a captain marvel type character and using that as his know um as his trope as his uh his archetype and much like uh the world of shazam and the, the marvels there 
you know, there, of course, there was a Mary Marvel and there's a Captain Marvel Jr. and things like that. The same thing is here with the, with the Miracle Man team. In fact, there is a Kid Miracle Man. Just so happens that the character of Kid Miracle, the, the god that that person is, is an insane lunatic. So much so that the host body realized he could not let Kid Miracle Man out for fear of what he'd do to humanity. So he kind of held it in for years. And this is where we get to the problematic stuff. What happens is he's a teenager. He's being picked on. He's being held up by these kids in the school. And they go so far as to rape him in a bathroom. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's Alan Moore. You knew rape was coming at some point. And while he is going through that terrible moment, which is fucking scary in its own, seeing those pages, he kind of quietly goes, it's like he gives up and he goes, Miracle Man, which of course turns him into uh, Kid Miracle Man. And he automatically kills the students. And then he goes into the other room and he kills the nurse that's there. And then he kills the entire school. And then it cuts to... Shots of London, where he's hurtling people into Big Ben. And there's this shot of this family in a car, a close-up shot of a family in a car, and they're looking like horrified. And you're thinking, oh, maybe they're freaking out by what they see. No, the car has been launched into the air, and they are about to die. You're talking about just basically you're flipping through the pages. Like Miracle Man number 15, you flip through those pages, and every page is just fucking scary. That's basically it. It's not something I'd ever want to reread again, because it is fucked up. At the end of it, when he finally calms down, Miracle Man is able to get Kid Miracle to turn back into the kid. And when that happens, the kid starts just crying and he's apologizing. He goes, I'm sorry, I didn't know what to do and everything like that. And Miracle Man just walks up to him, gives him a big hug, tells him it's going to be okay, snaps his neck. So it's Alan Moore in the 80s. It's definitely not feel-good entertainment. It is fucking scary. <laughs> You said it before, I'll say it again. Therapy uh, is something many <laughs> of our heroes, anti-heroes, villains, or just abused characters could do with, but then we wouldn't have the stories we love. While I will say it did its part, it shocked the hell out of me. Don't think I'd ever reread it. Yeah, I'm not so much sure if that's a recommendation or a warning. Ooh, so let's see if we got a palate cleanser. What's your next one? <laughs> So this is uh, my last one. I have like a fun light mention for the end, uh, but this is my last thing. I'm not going to give as much of the plot because this is a, a newer title. It was actually released this year, end of September, on purpose, I imagine, because it's, you know, spooky season. Uh, it's called The Keeper. And the writer is someone that lovers of black horror may know. It's Tanana Reeve Dew and, and worked on this title with Stephen Barnes and uh, Marco Finnegan did the art. And this was actually originally a draft script that almost got made, but fell through. Mm. And they actually have that in the back matter of the book. That's not like, you know, secret knowledge or anything. And the book itself starts off with one of many people rational fears but especially i think for young people because our protagonist is a child in this one is losing your family and not having a caretaker sort of lined up so mm -hmm. the part i will spoil is it starts off fairly early with this young girl loses her parents and that happens in the first few pages and then aisha she's taken in by her much older grandmother and moved into a crepit part of town also has one of my other fears uh the police one of the reasons they immediately move from the home that she had lived in with her parents is a neighbor calls the police on her and that goes sideways pretty quickly as one can imagine and it's kind of heartbreaking but it's like this kid is just hit with like emotional horror upon horror in the first 
the first smooth like five ten pages mm. and then the book gets to work on like the real horror part but tanana reeve do you listeners some of you may know her from if you were lucky enough to be one of her students because she actually i think did a course at a university on uh horror but she also was one of the people behind a great documentary i watched a few years back in the before time when i used to go outside and especially go to a lot of movies at tiff horror noir so she was one of the core, the curators of that film. And she's been very active in, especially since the rise of Jordan Peele as a writer, a critic, and also a creator in the horror noir space, if you will. So the level of pacing of the story, it keeps giving you, and I can see why this would have made a good film. It gives you jump scares. It gives you the things that are often scary for black people in general, which is just operating in white spaces and yeah. law enforcement. But it also just gives you stuff that just regularly scares kids. Like when she moves, she has to like go to a different school and immediately meets the mean girls on day one and freaks them out by her just matter of fact, just, you know, the mean girls try to squat up on her in the cafeteria and she just looks at them and is like, you're all going to die. Everyone dies. Very matter of fact, because this kid's <laughs> been through it already. Again, yeah. this is early stuff. This is like in the first third of the book. <laughs> oh my God. And this little girl is cold as ice, you know, as a, a young black woman uh, going to school with your hair not properly done because she went from living with her mother who knew how to handle her hair to now living with her grandmother whose hands are definitely not up to dealing with the tender headed, nappy headed child. So she's going to school looking busted AF. That's just a general fear for young black women in general. So, yeah, it's a lot of this one was just giving me body blows left and right. If you've ever watched any uh, superhero film with any sort of speedster punching someone, that's how parts of this book felt to me. It's like, just ease up for a second. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. That's heavy, heavy. Yeah. The art is is pretty simple. There's whole pages where there isn't a single word in a way. The cleanliness, but also the brutality reminds me a bit of like the earlier parts of the Hawkeye run. Okay. And also in like the, the Hawkeye theme. run, that brutality is almost kind of fun. This brutality yeah. here is fucking scary. <laughs> so it is scary. But then you, you do also have lighter notes and that's what I do like. Again, okay. I can see why somebody like Jordan Peele likes stories like this. And, you know, he does have a relationship with this author. I think he's actually even appeared at one of her classes is because there's like the not full on lightheartedness, but just the general like this is just life for us. Like we're young black children, like she makes friends with a foster child uh, who lives in the building that her grandmother's in. And it's just sort of like a very matter of fact approach. To, like our lives are just straight trash. <laughs> like we're just just trying to bustle through it. But we're also children. And yeah, I definitely recommend this. It just came out. It's a it's a collection, and if you can find it, I'd recommend picking it up. Awesome, you know that sounds really good. I might definitely check yeah. that out. Yeah, but a lot of just normal fears like abandonment, watching your family members die, the popo. That's what we said at the beginning here. It just yeah. has to be scary. Yes, yeah. if it's scary. Yeah, having to go to a new high school with your hair being busted. Like these are real fears. Those like, are fears. Yeah, yeah. definitely. Oh yeah. my god. But also, there's like a whole like monster situation that yeah. happens that yeah, we're not that... gonna. I'm not gonna spoil it because it's a brand new book. There you go. Okay, so definitely check that out. For my final pick, I had a couple of different ones to choose from here, but for my final pick, uh, this comes from uh, the Boom Studios series, Irredeemable. Written by Mark Wade with art by Peter Krauss, uh, where basically they play with the idea of what if Superman decided, fuck it, fuck all these people, I'm going to be a villain. And so the book in itself plays with that, about him becoming this master villain and basically destroying all the heroes and things like that. But in issue five, 
that is especially scary. The beginning of the issue, so much so that when I thought back to this issue, I thought this scary moment was the entire issue. Turns out it's just the first five pages. In issue five, the Plutonian, which is the name of the Superman-type character, he takes control of all communications in the world and broadcasts what he calls viewer mail where he rhymes off the things he's heard random people say because he's the Plutonian and he can hear everything saying about him when they thought they were alone or with people in close confidence uh, where they're either making comments about what he's doing or asking, I wonder what's going to happen now about this. And so, you know, since he turned on the world, right? So we were, he starts responding to these questions these particular people, and also mentions personal details about them to let them know, including their addresses and things like that, to let them know that he knows exactly where they are right now. And he's a very petty man. And he caps off the entire thing saying that he can kill anyone at any time. And he's very good at blending in. So he could be anybody. So you could never see it coming, which creates global panic and leads to more death. There's a number of suicides that happen afterwards and riots and yeah, it is, in my opinion, the scariest thing that the Plutonian does in the entire book is just implying the kind of damage he can do to someone. And yeah, it just, there, I'm not a huge fan of Mark Wade because I feel like Mark Wade kind of treads on leaning too much into tropes and also have, having uneven endings because he doesn't write with an outline. He has the idea of the jump off the cliff ending of each issue. If he doesn't know what's going to happen in the next issue, how would the reader know? Which leads to very messy writing. But with this book, it seems like he had a really strong plan and this particular issue scared the shit out of me. So yeah. Global death and panic. We're used to that by now. Days of <laughs> end and why? Yeah. Yeah. But it's the threat, the looming dread. And the personalization of the threat is what mm -hmm. makes it. Yeah. 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 So we're not sleeping tonight, listener. <laughs> uh, so I did have one like light recommendation to finish people off. Phrasing. Oh, I so let me just mention this. If one you thing. wanted to do if your I, other if I, one, if go I could ahead. just if I could just mention yeah. the one thing about that that issue that I forgot to mention. When he's rhyming off these things, this one kid who he heard fathom, oh, I wonder what's gonna happen now with this, he answers the kid's question by starting going, and that mole on your back, yes, it is cancer. So it's like he's throwing it out there that it's like, if I don't kill you, cancer's gonna kill you. Because I examined you when you didn't know it. I could tell that's cancer. You're going to die from that. That to me was like the double fuck you. That it was like, oh, insult to injury. Yeah. Also, pro tip listeners, don't sit with old people at a funeral. They're very matter of fact. <laughs> yeah. It's it's strong Grandpa Simpson. Death stalks you at every turn. Energy. So, you know. Okay. So this was one where at the end of this exercise, I, I did need something. I was looking for something uh, that would be a little less on the want want side uh it is a title from marvel so i know you're all surprised i didn't have something from marvel so here we go <laughs> uh, it's a, a spider-man joint for 2009 called the short halloween Wink oh Wink. yes yeah, written yeah. by bill Hader and uh seth myers seth myers yes yeah uh art by kevin mcguire and dean white uh letters by i think just uh somebody named virtual Callier. i don't know if that's a real person or if that's a persona that they put in there <laughs> if that's somebody's real name that's the coolest name ever anyway yeah it's just a fun halloween night spider-man adventure where he gets as one could imagine your street level heroes probably often get mistaken for the people who dress up as them 
on Halloween. Mm -hmm. And it's hijinks ensue. It's a good time. It's some good laughs. And it's a great little Halloween story. Yeah, no, it is a lot of fun. This Halloween, you can read some of the scary books we had, or you can read the short Halloween, or hell, you can read the long Halloween as well which uh, doesn't necessarily just take place on Halloween, covers a lot of holidays, but of course it's a Loban sale, so it's some quality work, definitely. All right, well, we've come to the end of another episode of Back Issue Bloodbath. Batula, where can people find you? At initiative.com on Twitter at obesacantawit, O-B-E-S-A-C-A-N-T-A-V-I-T, and here with you. Of course, you can find everything I do over at geekhardshow.com. Follow me on Twitter at geekhard. Follow this very show on Facebook at Back Issue Bloodbath, where we post the new episode every week. But of course, the easiest way to make sure you don't miss an episode is to subscribe to us on your podcasting platform of choice and leave a five-star rating or review while you're there. And then, you know, hey, also let your friends know, you know, it's like, hey, if you're taking Taking your kids trick or treating, and you see that the house that the, the parents open up, maybe they give you off a comic book vibe. Tell those parents about back issue bloodbath. Tell them to give it a listen. That should be the new tradition: is go door to door on October thirty first and tell people to listen to back issue bloodbath. Maybe pick up some single issues of comics that we've recommended or that Andrew's recommended on his weekly posts, and give back. Do a little Halloween reversey. Give those to the parents as they're. Uh, giving your offspring candy. Who knows? There you go. Definitely. All right. Well, we've come to the end of the show. We hope you have a safe Halloween. And uh, until next time, I'm Andrew Young. I'm Tony. Have yourself a good or a ghoul.